Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Gina Bianca podcast. So excited to have Michael Yost back on the podcast. He is the vice president of education at strategies and he is also one of my business coaches and he coached me all through my salon ownership at gina bianca hair if you've been listening to this series obviously your mind has already been blown because mine has just recording it mine has been blown just recording it and it's just been really awesome to reconnect with michael and uh talk about all of these Uh, four business outcomes that we were talking about. So the four business outcomes are productivity, profitability, customer loyalty, and staff retention. And these outcomes are outcomes that happen no matter what. So all of the things that we do in our business, the outcomes happen. They're either going to be a great result or a not so great result. And we started our series talking about strategies and team-based pay, team-based culture, team-based salon systems. It's not just about pay. It's about the business model. And we really opened talking about what is a team salon? What is a team-based pay salon and what it's not? And then we moved into productivity, which that episode was just so awesome. I felt like we could have kept going for like five hours. And then now we're here today to talk about profitability, which is why we play the game, right? So welcome, Michael. Thank you for coming back. This has been so awesome. And I'm I'm sure everybody's loving this. Well, thanks for having me back again. Like I said, loved it. You know, you're exactly right, Gene, when you said, you know, like, especially the last one, uh, when we we're talking about productivity, I looked at my, you're like, okay, wrapping up. I'm like, wait a second. You know, I thought you wanted to, I thought we were doing like an hour and I looked down and it felt like it was about eight minutes long. And sure enough, we were like 60 minutes in. You're right. We could have we could have talked another couple hours just on that topic alone. We we're scratching the surface of that topic, but it was fantastic. It was awesome. Love it. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I feel like we can totally, I feel like salon owners and coaches and people who are in love with the business side of the industry, we could just nerd out about this all day. Absolutely. And I love the four business outcomes. I always have always will. And I love the eight big drivers, but that's for another show. Um, but the four business outcomes, I feel I, I love simple and I love like for this five that like, and I always connected so deeply to the four business outcomes because it always was in the back of my head or in the front focus of my eyes, actually like, okay, how is this affecting this? And it really helped me through my career. And, you know, people always will say like, wow, you've created so much success. And like, you know, it is because I had great education. So the four business outcomes connect, I was connected to, and that's why I wanted to really dive deep into them on these episodes. So today we're going to discuss profitability. And it's such an important topic because many of us don't even know if we're profitable. Many of us don't know what profitability really is, and we don't know how to affect those numbers and how to impact those numbers. So we can ultimately live a better life. You know, my mentor says it's not called show friends, it's called show business. And a lot of the time we're like, you know, worried about all of these things and, you know, profit comes last. And then sometimes profit comes first and our staff retention suffers or you know, it, it, they all affect one another. And if, you know, it's that beautiful, delicate balance of finding a way to be profitable, finding a way to have everything balanced. So Michael share with us, if you don't mind, what is profitability? Like, what is it in reference to salon business? 
I think the best, and I like to use analogies, word pictures, you know, and kind of relate to things that we think about every day. And I'll, I'll put it this way. I think profitability is the, it's, it's the fuel that you put in the tank of your car, right? And, you know, profitability is the fuel, the gas, basically, that you put in the tank of your business, and you know you've got to you've got to be able to be a company that is profitable to be able to move anywhere all right uh and, and in a sense the the higher your levels of of profitability uh the 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 quicker you can move uh in a sense the more full that tank is the more abilities options things of that nature that you have so profitability and i, I know we'll kind of dive into this in, in a much deeper way but what profitability isn't is just about your cash it's not about your cash because your cash is a terrible measurement of profitability actually uh we teach the fact that profitability it profit is not cash. So get that, you know, it's almost easier to say what it isn't uh, in, in that regard, because I think a lot of times you think about, well, I've got cash on hand, so that must mean I'm profitable. No, no, no. In order to have cash, you must be profitable, but profit is not cash. And so, again, I'll kind of stop there because I know we'll kind of explore this, you know, more. And I think that it'll become clearer and clearer as to what we're really focused on. When we say profitability, what are we really talking about? And I guess I'll just summarize it going back to say profit is the ability to put fuel in the tank of your business, to fill that gas tank up. But it is not your cash. It's not what's in your checkbook. It's the ability to, you know, you can have profit but also run out of cash so we'll stop there for a second yeah totally so uh, when you guys would say this at strategies in the classroom like my eyes would glaze over and I would be like what do you mean I can't just take what's left over and buy a Louis Vuitton bag with it like that was like my MO, like I spent so much money on cars and clothes and <laughs> bags. Um, and I'm not the only one. And I'll share that openly with the entire world who's listening. I know the world is listening, but, um, you know, I was so irresponsible with my profit, my cash, excuse me, cause it wasn't my profit. And I always found myself scrambling. And this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'm just going to admit it. And hopefully people listening won't feel as alone if this is their situation. I would find myself during tax time, taking the fucking shelves, excuse me, I'll blurt myself, <laughs> taking the shelves off the wall and putting them on Facebook marketplace, like 877 cash now, because I did not budget properly. And I spent what I thought was mine like whatever's left over. Oh, let me just do this owner's draw. Let me just do this transfer. Let me just move this over. Oh, I need this. It's here. I can have it. But it took me a long time to realize like, Hey, whoa, wait, like this is the gas in the business. This is how we're going to move the business forward. And, um, you know, I think it's really important important to differentiate that and to kind of break that habit. Like if you're listening to this and that's you and you're just owners, draw owners, draw transfer, transfer, and you're not really keeping track of it. And then you find yourself in troubling financial situations over and over and over. They say the lesson will stop happening. The lesson will stop repeating if you learn the lesson. And it took me so long to learn the lesson of that. 
Yeah, I think you bring up, I mean, you know, Gina, you bring up something that's so, so common. And, and I'll say it about myself even. Uh, if uh, you were listening or maybe this is the first, you know, episode you might be catching, I'll just give a, a very, very quick background. You know, my background be, be, before becoming uh, the role I'm in at Strategies, I was also a salon owner, business owner, business owner uh, for 16 years. Uh, so, you know, my, my background is a hairdresser by trade for 25 years. And what I discovered early on, uh, was this, I discovered that, and this is actually how, again, if you hear my story from, I think episode one, you'll have already heard this, but it was as simple as I found strategies because all I knew, and this relates to what you're just saying, Gina was in my own business. All I knew was, uh, sales are growing, but checkbook was shrinking. And what I realized, I was doing the same habits that you just described. I would be taking the profit of my business, and I would be basically spending that, in other words, using that money up for things that I thought we needed. And sometimes, again, we got to be careful because sometimes we do it and we think it's under the right idea. Oh, well, I just bought some new equipment for my company, or maybe I bought some new computer systems, or I had to upgrade this or upgrade that. It's not like I went out and bought uh, a new car with it. It's not like I went out and bought some new, you know, uh, some new clothes with it or that pair of shoes I had to have or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. The, the, what it's called. The fact is, if we're not behaving properly and know what our profit really is, because again, the game is turning that profit into cash so that we can use it. And what we mean by that is, and you gave a perfect example, Gina, we can all relate to taxes. We can all relate to taxes. And that's what happens is you realize if any of you have ever been on the receiving end uh, when it comes tax time, whether it's your accountant or you just did your taxes yourself and went, how can I owe money? I don't have any money left. It's not taxing you on your cash. It's taxing you on your profit. And if you used up all of your cash, some of that cash needed to go toward what the profit would have helped you to cover, like the expenses that come with taxes. We needed to save some of that. We need to keep some of that fuel in the tank because tax time was coming. We need to keep some of that fuel in the tank because we needed to do improvements in our companies possibly, or, the, or X, Y, or Z was coming down the road that we weren't really thinking about. We needed to keep fuel. We needed to keep profit in there, uh, in our companies. And, you know, so I, I hope that ties in with, with that illustration that you were just giving, Gina, with the idea that when you said, man, when tax time would come and be like, what? You know, cash now. I love that. You know, like 1-800-CASH-NOW and what can I do to generate it? And, you know, that's how you can be profitable but go broke. And it's a very real thing. Be 100%. profitable, but go broke. 
A hundred percent. And I think that like my first few years in business, like that was my MO. I was like, oh, the, because I had my personal account and my business account and I had everything separated, but I would always go in and just grab cash and, and push mm-hmm. it over or use my card on random things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, this is a write-off, you know, and I'm very good about it now. But when I was first learning and it took a lot of tough lessons for me to be like, oh, okay, like this is not sustainable at all. And that stress of like having to deal with that every single year, like, I'm sorry. I just like was over that problem and I needed to like change. Am I perfect with it? No, but like, and I don't think anybody's like actually perfect, but like, it was definitely a struggle. So let's talk about um, profit in salons and what that looks like. Like, what does the normal profit salons usually make? Well, it, so that's a great question. And I'm going to run off of a uh, st- uh, couple of statistics that I'm pulling actually from uh, in the over the years. I think people are familiar with Salon Today does a top 200. Well, a number, you know, I've watched that over some years and the average profit in, in that world, or we'll just say in, in world, in basically the beauty industry, and we can put like the, if you're uh, more medical, we'll put that aside. But if you're in more of the traditional salon beauty industry space is single digits, unfortunately, single digits. And what that means to put that in perspective, let's say when I say single digits, let's say between, you know, anywhere between one and 10% uh, for profit. And that's for, and again, I'm pulling this from statistics that are garnered and gathered from the top 200. All right. So what I want to tell you is if that's single digits, you know, what we mean is this is you're talking 5%. What we mean is a nickel on every dollar is your profit. One one nickel on every dollar is your profit. In other words, you work really, really, really hard for that nickel out of that dollar or $5 on every $100. You're working really hard to make $5 on that profit on that $1. And again, that's why it's so important to say, listen, if $5 is my profit, it's not really mine because it may be assigned other places like to go toward taxes, to do other things that my business is going to demand that profit helps to feed. So that doesn't even mean that is, again, that's that's not even means that's yours, but how do we turn that into cash, which can, you know, become viable? So to answer the question, like I said, a lot are single digits. Now at Strategies, we really advocate, and I will say this, if you work hard at your business and you use the right tools and you use the right thinking and you gain understanding, a 15 to 20% net profit, uh, and again, net profit being after taxes, things of you know, looking at it after, a 15 to 20% net profit is definitely achievable. Unfortunately, industry averages single digits. I have a question that I don't know if you'll be able to answer, but maybe we can take a guess together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that industry average includes the owner getting a salary? (laughs) No, 
I don't think so. You're right. No, I, I don't think so. Cause I don't think so. That's like a really like interesting thing to think about. Well, I, I'm going to jump in while you're on that thought because it's sparking something in my brain. And I will say this. And again, I've worked with companies now as a coach for over 15 years. And this was how, and again, I'm speaking about myself when I give this example too. There was a time when in my business where all I wanted to do, and a lot of business owners' objective is, and they'll say it this way, it's a statement. If I could just keep what I generate, I'll be happy. That's a really, I hate to say it, that's a really non-lofty goal, by the way. Um, even if you're like, well, I, you don't know how much I generate. I get it, but you didn't open a business to go. If I could just, if I could just, your, your vision was not it. When you opened it, if I could just keep what I bring in, then I'll be happy. Like, I don't think anyone opened a business going, that's going to make me satisfied. And, and it shouldn't. And, you know, because a lot of people, I mean, let's put it this way. A lot of people don't even come close to that even. So, I mean, let's be honest about that. So, I mean, you know, think about how you answered that question and go back to what Gina just asked, you know, or posed. So I think we know the answer is, yeah. Well, it also gives like a really like vague, non-existent exit strategy. Uh, right. It's like, there, there's no way out. It's no, literally no. You're building a business with no way out. And they always say like, well, quit working in your business and start working on it. And that is like right. such a common, common, I hear it like 50 times a day, especially with like clubhouse and like all of the, all the right. things, you know, you hear like all of these yeah. like pipe dreams, but yeah. like in reality, like, how do you get there? And I think that when owners right. kind of go in and they start this whole thing and they realize, well, damn, this isn't profitable. I have to work, you know, more and more and more instead of looking at the business and busting open QuickBooks and like doing the actual work on the business, the easier solution that most people know how to do is work behind the chair. So it's almost like, let me focus on what I know how to do instead of taking a minute to learn what I don't know how to do. Right. You know, you, you bring up something and now uh, you brought up exit strategy. A, a lot of companies go, well, I'm just going to sell. When I sell, I think my company is going to be worth. And again, it's almost like putting a finger in the air, wet finger in the air going, which way is the wind blowing? We're taking a guess at it. I'll give you what the evaluation tool is going to be. The evaluation tool is going to be your balance sheet. That's a financial statement. That's a your balance sheet, your profit and loss, and your statement of cash flows are are the accounting that's accounting right there that's the that's the information that uh the businesses use to determine values of companies and primarily your balance sheet is where the value of your company is going to come from and the fact is that it's not about your it's the value of your company is not about how much it can generate it's about how well it can keep money in it. Because would you want to go buy a company that loses money every year? No, I don't care if you say we generate 10 million a year. If you're losing 500,000 a year, how much is that company actually worth? Nothing. 
Like, I'm not going to pay for that kind of a company. No one would pay for that kind of company. So totally. And I think like build it, like you're going to sell it is a good mindset because you're right. Like if we really thought about, like if I bought a purse and I was like, I'm going to keep this purse for two and a half years and then I'm going to sell it. I would take such good care of it. I would make sure that I stored it properly. I would make sure that I cleaned it properly. I would make sure that I didn't carry an open water bottle in it. I would make sure like I didn't do all the careless things that I do with the rest of my bags. Like a lot of my bags are just sitting on my closet floor right now. But if I knew I was going to sell it and I had that mindset of like, this is not permanent, I'm going to eventually move on from this, or I want to have as many options as possible. Because sometimes when we only have one or two options, like, oh, I stay or I go, that's a difficult thing. But if you have six or seven options, you know, that's different you know, six or seven people interested in your business, or, you know, maybe you sell it and work in it, or maybe, you know, you want to move to a different state. I'm just like throwing things out there. Like as a salon owner, it's like, let's build ourselves a business that we can thrive in, not a business that we can't grow in. We always want everyone on our team to grow, but like, what about the owner? Right. Absolutely. That's, that's exact. I mean, right. You're, you're hitting on it. It's the, the, if we're looking to build better lives, you know, for ourselves and those that work for us, building profitability is the absolute backbone uh, of what we need to be focused on because this is how we make that happen. This is how we grow people. This is how you grow your company. This is how you provide. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to tag this with anything in particular. This is how you, this is how you achieve those dreams that you'd like to help them achieve or offer the benefits that you'd like to offer or expand the business that you'd like to do or have new equipment, whatever it is, whatever you're dreams are the profit is what helps to fuel that you know we got to we got to keep profit in our company to be able to fuel any of that uh and happen and eventually like should you do want to sell a business because you're that's part of why you started one is to make something better down the road for yourself and you know create a healthier company Suddenly now you have something that does have value at the end of the road. Uh, yeah. And I think it's it. a really sobering experience to an owner who might put everybody before themselves, everybody before the business and have that like kind of codependent giving relationship where they don't put the needs of the business first and then push comes to shove down the road. And it's not worth what you even thought it was. And you're like, but I gave right. everything to you, but I did everything. And it's like, you did everything, but learn how to actually make it a profitable business. Like it's right. not show for it's show business. And I think that in our business, especially in the beauty industry, especially it's all about relationships. And I think that so many of us struggle with that, that this is a really common challenge that people are are struggling with. So I'm really glad we're talking about this, Michael. I think it's so awesome. So I have another question if that's, if it's cool to move on. Yeah, absolutely. So another question I have is where do salons make the most profit? Where do they lose the most profit? Well, that's, you know, there's an interesting question because, and I'm glad you, you, I'm glad you put it out there uh, because 
a lot of businesses, especially in the salon world, tend to feel as though, well, the only area that there's profit is in retail, or they tag some specific area like that. And the fact is, that's just not true. It's just not true. What you need to be aware of is this, a core thing that we talk about, we teach the strategies. And if you really think it through, this is just how life works. You sell time. Simple as that. You sell time. And your time has a cost to it. You know, the amount that your rent is, the amount that utilities are, the amount you pay in insurance, all those things, your payroll, all of those things go toward making the cost of that time a certain amount, okay? When we sell our time, that's where I feel we go wrong when it comes to what makes our businesses profitable or not. Because we do not sell our time for the price that it needs to be sold for. Because we look at something and we say, we look at it very, we look at it very um, single-mindedly. We look at a bottle of shampoo or a conditioner or a styling aid as that single thing. And like, oh, I bought that for $10. I'm selling it now for 20. So there's my only place I can make profit. Or I did that hair color and I used X amount of tubes of color and I do this. And we, we keep it very, <clears throat> very compartmentalized when the fact is we need to look business wide and that's really, so it's not that, and I'll, I want to be very clear, it's not that retail doesn't help us to be profitable. It does, but so does every other aspect of our business helps us to contribute to profit as well. So a lot of businesses just simply get their pricing structures wrong because they price it with just kind of a little bit of a guess or what the other person around them does, or what, you know, what they've heard. And they don't think about what their needs of their business are for their costs that relate to what do I need to charge for my time? And that's where I think it really at the core really goes wrong. So there isn't, so to answer the question really directly, Gina, there isn't one thing that this is your profit center of your company, it can be anything can be your profit center as long as your time is priced appropriately uh, as far as that goes. And that's the key to me. 100%. And what I get a lot from stylists and salon owners, like a really common question or a common uh, trend that I see for stylists, and this affects the salon owner too, a lot of stylists charge the most they're comfortable charging where nobody's ever given them a problem. And for example, that's usually around $225 for like four hours of work. And if you really break all of that down, they're making like $10 an hour or $20 an hour, which in some places that's a great income, but 
I know a lot of stylists who are undercharging simply because they don't have the prices broken down. And there's so much talk about charging hourly. There's so much talk about pricing in general in the industry. And I'm proud to be somebody who's been very transparent about pricing because it's something that will elevate the beauty industry if people get it together. But, you know, I charge hourly, but I don't say I charge hourly. I have a la carte pricing that is so dialed in based on my cost per hour that if I charge hourly or a la carte, it would be exactly the same within five to $10. Typically when they charge hourly, when I charge them hourly, they get a discount. But the big difference is, is I can say, oh, it's going to take about three hours. I charge around 125 an hour. It's going to be about 375. This is the breakdown. Having that done in the background saying like, oh yeah, this is what it all breaks down to based on time. Like your highlight's going to take this long. Your root is going to take this long. Your gloss is going to take this long haircut. And it holds me accountable as the artist for time standards. And I think that there's also a lot of talk in the industry, just keeping this Michael, like super relevant with what I hear every single day. Um, don't pressure yourself to be fast. And I'm just like, but we sell time. So by saying that it's not giving a great guest experience, that's going to affect our customer loyalty and it's going to affect your profitability and it's going to affect your productivity. Yeah. So just having like a little sense of urgency, which is one of the eight big drivers, <laughs> like literally I'm obsessed with all of that. Um, but just thinking of it like that. So if you're listening to this and you're just like, oh, your pricing is not dialed in. It's something to really think about and focus on because that's where you're going to get your profitability. Yeah. No, I mean, you just, you, I mean, I love it. You You hit it right on the head with that whole idea of, listen, don't be pressured to, to work fast. I, I'm going to, Hey, here's what I say to businesses that, that tell me, cause we work with all types of businesses. Now go to the restaurant world. I don't care if you are a McDonald's or you are a Morton steakhouse. All right. It doesn't matter to me what you want to be. If you're McDonald's, you're trying to go with volume. All right. If you're Morton's, you're trying to go, uh, your, your, your model is different, right? You're looking for quality and experience and all that. If at McDonald's, I want my food in 15, you know, I want to be in and out and I want this to be about a 15 minute experience kind of thing, a 20 minute experience. And that's what I expect. I'm going to turn over, turn over, turn over. Well, the price then, whether you work fast or slow, the, the illustration I want to make is whether you work fast or slow does not matter to me. But understand that's why at uh, a Morton's you're going to pay a hundred dollars for a steak, and at at McDonald's you're going to pay you know uh, two ninety nine or whatever uh, the price is now for for uh, a, a hamburger, right? Um, a Morton's hamburger could cost you seventy bucks, but it's two bucks here. Now we know there's a huge gap in difference, right? but there's a huge gap in everything else that goes around it. So it's not necessarily about working fast or slow, although we could get into that argument. You got, you do have to work within time standards, but if you're going to work slow, then I need to make sure that, that my pricing reflects the fact that you're slow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. I might need to charge because you're slow. I might need to say to myself, well, then if I'm going to take two hours to do a, a haircut, well, then that haircut's got to be priced appropriately for that time. I can't go with 
a $45 or $70 uh, typical woman's haircut price for a typical, let's say, 45 minutes and expect that that same price is going to translate to in profit if someone takes two hours to do that same service. It doesn't work that way. It just physically, if you take any moment to think about it, it just cannot work in that scenario. You know, you got to charge appropriately. And again, so that means you got to have the right tools and you got to have the right information and, and do it the right way uh, and don't, not make a guess at it and, and whatnot. And, you know, if we want to, we can talk about some tools here in a minute or some things like that. But, but the point is you got to know your info. You got to know your information. And like for stylists, like right now doing a full balayage, gloss, haircut, blow dry treatment with a root melt or a root tap, a lot of the time we're not charging for the extra bowls of color and the extra services. So yes, it takes longer to do that service, but if it was communicated properly, like if we were communicating our pricing in a way that was like, you're able to understand it. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, like I'm going to be doing a service on you. It's four hours. My hourly rate is typically this. This is how it breaks down. This is like how many services I think we're going to need. This is how long they take. And if it goes over, it's because you have extra hair or something isn't lifting properly. It's like really elevating the guest experience of communication and communicating your pricing. And once you're set up to win, it doesn't become that hard. But a lot of us, like we go back to what we know, which is just doing hair and we don't go back to breaking everything down. So taking a small amount of time to like learn these tools and techniques and learn how to get your business situated for an independent artist, it would not take very long for a salon owner. It would not take very long for anybody in the business. It's not going to take a crazy amount of time. That's going to like change your life, but the outcome would change your life. Yep. Uh, yes. 100%. It would. Totally. 100%. So I would love to talk about, um, and I know I brought this up like before we started recording, I was like, we should talk about this because, um, something that strategies offers that was like probably one besides you being my coach, Michael, and besides <laughs> Neil being my mentor and besides strategies being in Connecticut and I could just mosey up there <laughs> right? in your amazing library and like all of the things like besides all of those things, something I really loved about strategies was the command center. And I don't know if it's still called command center. I gotta get, I yep, gotta get it. It is. I gotta get it. Yeah. I like miss it a lot. I'm like the, um, spreadsheets that you guys have the cash flow plan, the broadbands, job descriptions, uh, the payroll projector, your spreadsheets are next level. Like they're so good. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, it is, you know, uh, we have something called command center. Uh, and I was just making sure you didn't change the name of it. Nope. Cause I know you were working on with programmers or something. So I was like, yeah. oh, if I said it right, <laughs> yeah. nope, you got it right. You got it right. And, uh, you know, it's a tool that we use with every coaching client that we work with. Everyone has access to command center and you know what it is in Gina, you just kind of said it perfectly. It's a place where we do our coaching because it's a place where not only can we build projects in there that are specific to you, but to address the idea of what you were referencing, uh, we use uh, a lot of data and spreadsheets to be able to make sure that we're getting the right information in order then to make the right decisions for our companies. 
And a couple of those you mentioned, and I'll, I'll talk specifically since we're in the area of, of profitability, I won't talk about command center in the bigger picture. I'll just, I'll just address only a couple tools in particular that would go directly with this conversation. Uh, Cause there are many more outside of what I'm, what I'm going to mention, but I want to stay focused. And the focus is this, we have one really important tool, the, the, the kind of foundational tool of it all is, within command center is called the cash flow plan. And the cash flow plan is a tool that every business needs to use. Every business needs to use. Why? Because you build a plan for the financial health of your company by projecting your sales based upon your hours for sale. You project your expenses. And you also then in real time are able to track all of your expenses as well. Now, when I say real time, meaning you've got to go in and you've got to do your work to update. It's not like we link to your point of sale software or that it does anything magical like that. You got to do work here. All right, let's be very, I'm not going to, I want to uh, make it sound different. You got to do work. But what I mean is in real time is when you enter your information in, there's also space for that where we can see, are we living the plan that we have set out and what is happening on our bottom line of our company, what's happening after we meet our expenses of our company, are we building basically, are we helping to build profit in our company? And you're able to see what's going on in your company and again, ultimately make good decisions. Now, out of that, and I'll just spin into this, Another tool that we have that builds off of that, since we're just talking about pricing, is we have a cost per hour tool. And we use that as well uh, quite often with everyone we work with because the cost per hour tool goes to what Gina and I were just discussing is now that we know our costs and our expenses of our company, we can use that tool to help us determine what does an hour of time cost in our company? What does 15 minutes cost in our company? So we can make sure, and with that tool, we can also build in a profit margin in that tool as well. So we have numerous different tools, but those two in particular really help us to relate to the profit aspect of our company by building a cash flow plan. It's like, let's make a plan for the health of our company, where we want to go and how we want to be healthy and how we're going to make that happen. And then are we living that plan? And it helps all, with all of that. We can track all of that. Along with, we have the cost per hour tool, and we also have a critical numbers uh, template, which helps us to measure <clears throat> the drivers that help this happen. I mean, it's there's so much in there, <clears throat> but it gathers data so we can make good decisions, and you working with a coach can make good decisions and assessments of what's happening in our company and how to how to create better health in our business when it comes to especially this topic of profitability. 100%. Yeah, there's so much value there. There is so much value there. I was a little knucklehead though with <laughs> with a lot of mine. We would get on our call, you'd be like, "Did you do this?" and I would just be like, "You know, I'm really busy over here." <laughs> right. I hear but, that a lot. But you know what though? Like it's really doesn't take a lot of time. I think it's no. a lot of it. It's like you don't want to face your stuff, but something that I that I did it changed my business and it changed my whole mindset and it changed my life was 
having to fill out the cash flow plan, especially even the bottom part, like your general expenses, like you obviously have to have numbers there. And for the first like four or five years of my business, I don't do it anymore because my accountant takes this over for me. Um, but I would go through all of my bank statements and I would account for what goes in, what came out. And it was a very sobering experience of like, where does the money go? Where does the money come from? And then really keeping track of the team and the critical numbers and the goal and breaking it down. And I think that's where like my strength for reverse engineering really, really came up. So um, I highly recommend command center strategies, everything. Like I would not be where I am today without you guys. So I think that this is an awesome place to end our episode on profitability. Uh, we covered so much. This is an amazing, uh, episode. I'm, what do you think? I mean, I think I love it. Awesome no, I love it. End. I think, yeah, I love it. And the last thing I will say is we're talking about four business outcomes and I'll leave with this thought is We've always got to remember that the other four outcomes are all in service to profitability. You know, everything else we do in every other area serves the ability for us to be profitable because those, the other four areas that we have discussed and will discuss all drive toward helping us to create profitability. And that's another reason why all four of these outcomes are so linked together that even though we do something over here, you know, on the, uh, you know, in, in a completely different area, it still is in service to the idea of profitability because that ultimately is the outcome that all businesses are judged by. And so, you know, to kind of put that in there and set, kind of give you that bigger setting of that, you know, kind of give the overview that, uh, you know, what we do in our businesses all impact one of these four areas and the others are all in service to profitability ultimately in the end. Totally. So, and the great topic, business. great topic. <laughs> it's amazing. And the four business outcomes, these outcomes happen no matter what. What matters is the result. Is it the result you want to see or is it the result you don't want to see? Or is it neutral, right? Something is going to happen no matter what. These are outcomes. Yep. And yep. what we do, our behaviors, what we do with our business every single day is going to affect the outcome, whether you're mindful of it or not, whether you know what you're doing or not, whether you're doing awesome or not, it's really all going to have an outcome no matter what. So understanding these will help you be mindful. This series is just going to help you be so much more mindful of like, okay, wait, hold on. Is this going to impact productivity, profitability, customer loyalty, staff retention in a positive or negative? And they all serve each other. So, so. So excited for our next episode, Michael. Thank you so much for coming back on and we'll see you guys on the next one. What's up, everybody? I want to let you know before we go that Strategies has one of the best classes for hair salons, hairstylists, independent artists, whoever you are. If you want to grow your business, you need to take Incubator. I've taken this class three times. It's one of my best kept secrets. You know, they taught me so much about business. Highly recommend Strategies and all of their seminars. I've taken pretty much all of them and some of them multiple times. I coached with Strategies for three years during my ownership at Gina Bianca Hair and it was the best thing for me. I learned so much from them. Their seminars, you could save 10% using my code GINA10. 
they are some of the best seminars in the industry. So I hope you take them. You can visit strategies.com. You can also click the link in the description of this podcast and just use my code Gina10. You'll save 10% off these amazing seminars. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast. This episode is produced by Alora Media.